Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, the Timberwolves ESPN win total projection from Kevin Pelton is kind of off the charts. It's probably way higher, and, and especially in context of the West, how high did the Wolves finish? in the ESPN win total projections. We'll also talk about takeaways from a second consecutive win in Abu Dhabi against the Mavericks for the Wolves in preseason game number two. Who starred, who didn't, and uh, what can we take away from these preseason games overseas? It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. The Timberwolves are 2-0 on the young preseason. We'll talk about Abu Dhabi, but first we'll get to... Western Conference win total projections from Kevin Pelton at ESPN, a statistically based win total projection. Really fascinating. We'll start the show with that. First, a big thank you for making this show, Lockdown Wolves, your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app can be found in both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. More great local sports covers 24-7 for free. Of course, now is the time to subscribe to Lockdown Twins with playoff baseball uh, ongoing with with the Twins. Uh, Lockdown Wild start regular season, I believe, this week. The Golden Gophers, not a great weekend, but still playing. And, of course, the Vikings, kind of the same. So um, check it all out at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Again, the app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. You can also follow this show on X at Beacon and also at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, we will get to Abu Dhabi. Let's start with this ESPN win total projection stuff, though. I think this is pretty fascinating, and this is a yearly thing. If you're not familiar, this isn't just like, you know, a a crowdsourced kind of wag of a like, hey, you know, this is how many... this, this is how many wins this team will get. Or like just, ah, I think there'll be a 50-win team. It's not just pulling a number out of thin air, right? Which is, I look like I'm plucking apples if you're watching on YouTube. It's not it's not that, right? Um, it's actually a statistically based projection by Kevin Pelton, who is the most analytically minded uh, ESPN uh, analyst, analyst um, if, if you will, uh, on the NBA side. So he... Basically, what this does is here. I'll just kind of read the paragraph from from this is an ESPN Insider article from the end of last week. It says uh, his projections are based on a combination of his shown player projections, which is one of his advanced metrics for box score stats, as well as three year luck adjusted RAPM, which is real adjusted plus minus from NBAShotCharts.com. He estimates games played based on those missed over the past three years, and then makes subjective predictions for playing time. So this attempts to take out luck which is, of course, hard to do. It also attempts to uh, predict the availability and lack thereof of players, of good players. So then he says the result is, well, okay, he says this maybe more concisely than I did. The result is an expected wins total based on average health luck because some teams will have better or worse fortune, but we don't know which ones. The average totals will inevitably be closer to 500 than the actual final standings. Last year, the stats-based projections beat the market by correctly predicting 60% of team over-under win totals. And uh, then here is his forecast. So I'll say that that kind of middle part again. The average totals are closer to 500 than the actual standings. Like, I don't think anybody 
uh, is forecast. Uh, let's see, only the Celtics in the entire NBA, only the Celtics is forecast to have over 50 wins this year. Very likely there will be at least three or four ish teams that end up with more than 50 wins, right? That happens every year. And last year, I think everybody was kind of condensed or maybe a 50. I think the bucks were around 51 or something in, in the same exercise last year, but it condenses everybody a little bit more. There's always an outlier either direction. Like for instance, this year, a little bit of a spoiler here with what I'm going to get to in a second. The Nuggets are third in the West at 46.4 wins. And of course, last year they won 53. And he talks about how they had, um, they outperformed their point differential last year, which is of course use the Pythagorean, Pythagorean, Pythagorean uh, win total attempt, takes the point differential and says, oh, you should win this many games if you have X point differential. Um, and also opponents shot weirdly poorly from beyond the arc against the Nuggets last year. So Pelton basically says, hey, there will be some regression for the Nuggets. It doesn't mean they won't be good in other areas and you know can kind of counter counterbalance that. Um, all that to say, that's why these numbers are all crunched so close together. And if I remember correctly, the Timberwolves last year were like in the 9, 10, 11 range, and I thought they were too low. And I believe they did outperform what Pelton had projected for them when, uh, well, I think, no, he was actually pretty close. I want to say he was right in the 41-ish, 42-ish range. And then, of course, they won 42 games. This year, the Timberwolves are actually, drum roll, please. Need to get that sample. I need to get that sample uh, uploaded here to use a drum roll, an actual drum roll. Uh, Forty-seven point seven wins, number two in the Western Conference, less than a win away from the Memphis Grizzlies at forty-eight point four. So Pelton has Memphis at number one in the West, forty-eight wins. The Timberwolves rounding up to forty-eight wins, number two. The Nuggets rounding down to forty-six wins, number three. So there's actually a one-point-three win gap between the Nuggets and Wolves, and only a point-seven win gap between the Wolves and Grizzlies between uh, the two and one spots. So. Again, this is a projection. It's very rough. It's unlikely that uh, you know nobody's going to win 50 games in the West, but it has the Wolves as a closer second to Memphis than the Nuggets. A than than how close the Nuggets in third would be to a second place Wolves team. Absolutely fascinating. And I'll read what Pelton says here. He just has what three sentences about the Wolves. He says, "Quote: I figured Minnesota might have a surprisingly strong projection last season after it added Rudy Gobert to a team that had made the playoffs." Turns out I was a year early. After the Timberwolves went 42-40 and 40 with Carl Anthony Towns playing just 29 games, my projections favored them to jump up the West standings with the development of young guard Anthony Edwards as a key factor. What have I been saying for the past couple of months? Everybody's underrating the Wolves because Towns only played in 29 games and everyone seems to have forgotten that. Yes, when Towns and Rudy played together, the results were pedestrian, but they played 29 regular season games together. That is a painfully small sample. If Towns had never gotten hurt and the first 29 games were around 500, we would have been like, yeah, it's not great, but they still have a shot to figure this thing out. But they weren't the first 29 games. It was like the first 20 and then the last nine with this huge gap in the middle where Rudy had to learn to play with Ant and D'Lo and all these other guys in the middle. And then you bring in Carl Anthony Towns in March and say, okay, let's let's figure this out. Mid-March, whatever it was, late March. So I think everybody's completely underrating how little Towns played last year. You add a guy who is, by all accounts, minimum a top 30 player in the NBA, if not top 20, certainly a top, I'd call him top 10 offensive player in the league, all, all things considered. Carl Anthony Towns I'm talking about. Of course this team's going to, what was their, uh, I believe the FanDuel win total is 44 and a half. Of course they're going to outperform 42 wins from last year. And a three, four, five win jump is not insane when you're talking about re-adding somebody who a year ago I would have said was the absolute best player on the team. And you could still make the argument he's the best all-around player on the team. He's better defensively than Rudy is offensively, I would say. I, I think he has a better, Towns currently is passable defensively. 
he's better, uh, more efficient offensively still than Anthony Edwards is. Right, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to make that argument now, but we could make the argument. Carlton Towns is still the best all-around player sitting here right now. Of course, Ant has the highest ceiling, and of course, Ant should be the one we're really excited about because he's 22, and he's been utterly dominant at times. But like, let's not undersell how little Carlton Towns played last year and how little chance this team had a chance to gel with Chris Finch and all the all the pieces on the court, not to mention Conley being acquired at the deadline. You just had this rotating cast of characters, and lots of teams could say that. But very few teams, other than like the Clippers, who could say this every year, basically. Not basically, they could say it every year. Very few teams won 40-plus games, made the playoffs, and said, ah, you know what, uh, one of our two best players, arguably our best player, only played 29 games, and he's healthy now? I don't think we'll be any better this year. I think we'll be two games better this year. That's crazy. It's like a trade deadline acquisition or an offseason acquisition. This guy played 29 games. And by the way, when he played, it was the worst season of his career. His worst offensive efficiency, uh, not good on the glass. Like, no matter how you slice it, Carl Anthony Towns had his worst offensive season last year, and he only played 29 games. So when he played, he wasn't even as good as we're used to him being. So this projection is not crazy. It's aggressive. It's maybe more than I, better than I thought it would be. And if Gobert is indeed in decline, which isn't a crazy thing to consider given how, 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 uh, I don't say poor, but disappointing his season was last year. Yes. New scenery, all that stuff. Sure. Gobert could be declining, in which case this, this, uh, projection model may not be accurately depicting how much he's declining or predicting maybe how much he's declining. All that to say, this is not a crazy win total projection. And it's absolutely in the ballpark of what we could see this year. Fascinating to see the projection model spit it out. And hopefully that's indeed what we see, uh, throughout the regular season this year. All right, let's talk Abu Dhabi. Let's talk Saturday's game and overall takeaways for the Wolves' two preseason victories over the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at Game Time. Game Time is the absolute best place to get tickets to anything. Talking uh, uh, sporting events, concerts, comedy, et cetera. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals. They have all, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Uh, I have a terrible habit of buying tickets last minute. And Game Time has actually saved me from myself on this. Um, you can also see the view from your seat before you buy. So if you're picky about that, and again, all in prices, you know what you're paying up front and there's no hidden fees towards the end of it. Game Time is absolutely obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. If you're really running late, want a last minute deal that can help you out there. It's the place to find last minute tickets. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. They also have zone deals where you can pick the section and they'll pick your seats. An average of 18% savings on the zone deals. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA. You'll get 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk uh, Abu Dhabi and um, what happened on Saturday. The Timberwolves won once again on Saturday. Oh, a quick reminder. I guess a a big thank you for, of course, making us your first listen every day once again. And um, looking ahead for everydayers, I mean, throughout the rest of this week, we're actually... 
We only have four players left in our player preview series. I'm planning to do basically one per day the rest of the week, uh, unless anything more significant comes up. But basically spending a full show previewing the rest of the starting lineup. The only member of the lineup that we've previewed so far is Mike Conley. So I still have Rudy Gobert, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Thiddy Towns to preview. And again, the plan would be to get through all that this week. Of course, more preseason action upcoming too, but we'll cover all that throughout the week. All right, Timberwolves won again in Abu Dhabi. They won last Thursday. Friday show is a post-game pod, so if you missed that, I broke down what happened in Thursday's game on Friday. Today, I want to spend the rest of the show talking, yes, Saturday, but also overall takeaways from Abu Dhabi. On Saturday, Anthony Edwards was in the lineup. He did not play on Thursday after tweaking his ankle in practice last Wednesday. And uh, Jade McDaniels was out of the lineup for the Wolves. They said it was a, um, I'm forgetting what it was now, calf soreness, I think is what they said. So McDaniels did not play Saturday. He was on the bench. I'm sure it's fine. Um, Carl Anthony Towns led the Wolves in minutes on Saturday, played 18 minutes all in the first half. The second half, the Wolves played exclusively bench players. Conley started, played only seven minutes. The rest of the regular starters played between 16 and 18 minutes. Uh, and I'm included to kill Alexander Walker in that group. He started once again in place of McDaniels. He started on Thursday in place of Anthony Edwards. We saw a lot more of the same from the Wolves and in a good way. And what I mean by that is a ball movement offensively, aggression offensively, um, both getting to the basket. I thought the Wolves did good there. They drew, they got 16 free throw attempts in this game and probably could have had more. Actually, both teams could have. I thought the refs did a pretty good job of letting them play because uh, preseason, who needs a, a free throw parade? Um, so aggressive getting to the line and also aggressive getting to their spots outside the arc, like really finding a spot to actually like spot up, ready to pull the trigger. I was very impressed with, with, with the Wolves players' awareness of spacing. And we didn't see that as much last year. We saw a lot of issues with getting to the right place at the right time, making the right plat, right pass to the right player on the perimeter. Perimeter spacing was shoddy. Interior spacing was shoddy. Much better on Saturday. Um, I was very, very impressed. And also last Thursday, too. Um, the Wolves did a very, very good job getting to their spots and finding open threes. They were lights out early in the game from outside the arc. And as a whole... The starting lineup shot 6 of 11 from outside the arc, so better than 50%. The Wolves were over 45%, I think, uh, through three quarters. They ended up, actually, for the game they were. They finished 45.2% overall from outside the arc, 14 of 31, a fantastic number. But again, starters 6 of 11. Ant knocked down two of his three three-point attempts. Two of his three three-point attempts, yep. Um, 13 points for Ant, four of nine shooting in his preseason debut Got to the line a couple of times, had three assists to one turnover, had a nice block on the defensive end, a, a beautiful help contest the glass or at the rim. Um, I, I was impressed with Ant's game. I thought he picked his spots well. He pulled the trigger nine times in 17 minutes, but that's about right. Um, no issues with how he played. I was very impressed. Carlton Towns was once again the Wolves' best player on the floor. Ultra aggressive, um, getting to the basket. There was He hit a three early. Uh I don't know, first couple of possessions of the game. And then he had a wide open three-point attempt a couple of possessions later. And instead of taking it, he drove straight to the basket and scored on a straight line drive. And either one would have been the right choice. But I like that he's he's doing both this at this point, right? Like he had nine shot attempts, three were threes. He got to the line. He had five free throw attempts. I believe one was an and one and then a couple of uh, of, of trips to the line for for a pair of free throws. The absolute right mix of aggression and passing the basketball. He had a couple assists. Yes, a couple of turnovers. But overall, Carl Anthony Towns had a second consecutive, very encouraging game. I thought he was active on the glass. He only had three rebounds in 18 minutes, but he was mixing it up. He was in the paint uh, on both ends of the floor. He had 
one block and it was an impressive block. It was a, it was kind of, he crashed down to, it was a help block at the rim. We don't see that awareness all the time from cat. Um, you know, past years prior to last year, it was like, you know, he's a full step late, but he still quote unquote tries to block the shot. And it looks like he got there almost. And, you know, it was more in my opinion for looks than anything else. This was like, he got there in plenty of time and made the right defensive play and was hyped about it. Like this was a well-rounded, strong performance from Carlton Towns and, it just easily the best player on the floor. There was also another play that got a lot of play, I'm sure, on social, uh, on X and, and so forth. But open floor situation, Cat dives on the floor for the loose ball, throws a beautiful kind of lob pass up to Rudy at the rim for a dunk. Just a fantastic hustle play. We don't always see Cat make those plays. And yes, I'm nervous that he's doing it in the preseason. But like, I'd rather to see it out of him, especially, you know, he's fresh, right? He barely played last season. Yes, he played in, in FIBA World Cup, but in general, he's like in midseason form. And remember last year, the start of the season, the start of preseason, he had the illness. He lost like 30 pounds or whatever it was and, and barely played in preseason. To see him really be at what looks like midseason form, at least in terms of his conditioning and, and, and body and everything, is so, so good to see. And again, very strong game for Carlton Towns. Rudy was also good, seven and five, three of three. I thought he was just so-so on Thursday. He looked the part in this game. Individual game, individual player, single game plus minus. Uh, If you're a regular to the show, I don't love it. I think it's noisy a lot of the time. But when there's a, a crazy number, it's worth pointing out. Rudy was a plus 16 in 17 minutes. Plus 16. Nobody else in the starting lineup was better than a plus five. So Rudy was fantastic, and and it really impacted it defensively. He had one big block, but then like the next possession, maybe two possessions later, he was defending somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was on the Mavs, that was in the paint, and just, it was the classic case of Rudy didn't even get a real contest up, but his presence and the threat of a contest caused the Mavs big to just throw it off the back of the rim, just a bad miss, Rudy gets the board, a dominant defensive possession for Rudy Gobert without recording a stat. Those are the things that don't show up in the box score that are impactful for Rudy Gobert. Another good game for Rudy. And I really can't complain about anybody in the starting lineup. The Wolves built this big lead early in the game. They let a lot of it back in the third quarter. but um, And actually, the Mavs got to within a bucket in the last couple minutes when each team's had their like 13th through 16th guys on their roster on the floor. It was absolutely third string, fourth string guys. And the Wolves did hold on. They got a big shot from Vic Krejci outside the arc. The non-roster invitee, the Exhibit 10 signee that spent last year with the Hawks a couple years ago at the Thunder. Um, I like him, by the way. I'm excited for him to potentially be in Iowa and have a shot at maybe taking that last two-way deal from uh, Matt Ryan. We'll talk two-way slot. We'll talk about that actually here next. Um, Krejci hit a big three, and then Leonard Miller hit a big three from the left corner. He was really good in this game, too, this year's top rookie selection in the draft for the Wolves. So that's actually how we'll close. Um, that's all the like game recapping I'm going to do, quote-unquote, game flow, because who cares? It's preseason. But a couple big shots late after the Mavs reserves came back. Starters played great for the Wolves. Offensive aggression. Defensively, by the way, on the ball, also very good. My only complaint from a team perspective was rebounding. The Wolves were a minus five on the glass. I'm actually surprised it wasn't more than that. I thought that was the only problem with the main rotation guys, which was mostly the first half and the first part of the third quarter. They didn't rebound the ball great, uh, which has been a consistent issue. It is an issue. It will continue to be an issue until it's not. Um, I thought defensively they were pretty good. Offensively they were great. On the glass, so-so. Um at best. And they ended up, again, a minus five uh, in, in the box score, and they won this game by eight. But some of that came back the other way late in the game with the with the deep reserves on the floor. All right, let's close with studs and duds and kind of what I think is the most intriguing 
if you will, roster battle as we move forward through the preseason. Uh, so we're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Jace Medical. If you're not familiar with Jace Medical, they have the Jace case. They pr- And the Jace case has five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. I ordered mine a couple weeks ago, and it showed up in less than a week at my doorstep. All it takes to get a Jace case is you fill out a simple online form. In some cases, you might jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians and get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. It's doctor-created and doctor-recommended. The whole thing with Jace Medical and and therefore the Jace case is that you don't want to be caught unprepared. We're heading into the fall, into the winter travel season. We're only six weeks or so, seven weeks away from Thanksgiving. Um, if you're going to be traveling potentially through bad weather, you don't want to be caught unprepared. And there's a lot of things going on in the world right now where you never know, right? There's the supply chain issues. There's, of course, we're familiar with pandemics now with the last couple in the last couple of few years. Um, so a lot of reasons to be sure that you're prepared for the absolute unexpected. Jace Medical is a simple way to do that. You simply go online, fill out the form that I mentioned, and you get that prescription for life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind. So you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on simple locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com again jacemedical.com that's j a s e medical.com all right let's close today's show by talking a little bit about uh, studs and duds and also related to that kind of this battle for the both the last two way roster spot or two way contract slot i should say and then also the number 15 standard contract spot on the roster Related conversation here. Let's start with the studs from this one. Talked a lot about Carl Anthony Towns already. Not a whole lot more to say about him other than I thought he was the best player on the floor in this game, regardless of team. Like he was, he was obviously Luka Doncic is Luka and and he was great. Um, you know, Jaden Hardy had some good moments as well for the Mavs, but uh, Carl Anthony Towns was fantastic. Just looked in control and played hard as we talked about uh, in really every facet of this game. So great game for Cat as we talked about earlier. Also, Nas Reed did his thing. Nothing unexpected there. 14 points on six of eight shooting, knocked down both of his three-point attempts. One was a, a like a really quick trigger on a left corner three. Um, second half, I guess it was. And I think his other one was from above the break. But good shot selection. Um, three rebounds, one assist, one steal. He did have two turnovers. But I thought, in general, this was a, another really... like Nas looks so nimble, um, so in control, obviously healthy now in shape, all that, all that stuff. It's all come together for Nas and he looked very, very good in this game as well. Uh, My third stud, I'm going to give it to Leonard Miller, the rookie, of course, the early second round draft pick for the Wolves. They, they traded up to get Leonard Miller. So the top, their top draft, top draft selection from this season, 10 points, four of eight shooting two of three on three pointers, hit that big three. I alluded to earlier from the left corner to kind of close the game out um, after the big V Krejci three. We'll talk more about Krejci here in a second. 10 points, one rebound, one assist, two steals for Leonard Miller. And again, four of eight shooting two of three outside the arc. He did have four turnovers, but I thought in general he played well. And that big shot at the end, I I don't know what his rotation role is going to look like for this year's Timberwolves, just given uh, he's like the fifth big, depending on what you think about Luca Garza and also, um, you know, where, what you know, matchups are going to matter quite a bit. He's not going to be in the regular rotation. And Miller's not the biggest guy, but he's got the length. He plays hard, and he's obviously versatile with the ball in his hands as well. You'd like to see him rebound a little bit more. He only had the one rebound in 14 minutes, and that is not a concern, but one of the things to keep in mind about Leonard Miller that could keep him from seeing the floor early. 
uh, really a small ball five or really a, also a small ball four is probably how he's best cast. Um, the Wolves are going to play big, right? So Leonard Miller is going to be more, my comp for him all along has been a much more offensively talented version of Jared Vanderbilt. If he can rebound to Vando's level, then that's going to, that's what will make him a rotation big, even potentially by the end of the season. I don't know who loses their rotation spot because this team's so loaded depth wise and, and um, also really in the front court in, in, you know, just across the board. But at least by next year, like he could be an NBA rotation guy. If he rebounds at an average or above clip, clip for that position, he's going to find himself a role. Like Chris Fitch is going to have to carve some minutes out for Leonard Miller because he is really talented, plays hard, has a nose for the ball, all things the Wolves need. And again, across the board, as I talked about at the end of the last segment, like the Wolves, the Wolves had that in this game. They played hard. Um, and that's something they need to do consistently this year. And, and, you know, hopefully it's the regular rotation guys that are able to, but if not, Leonard Miller will. He'll absolutely play hard. Uh, the only dud for me in this game is Matt Ryan and, uh, you know, Matt Ryan just, he had 11 minutes all second half. He squeezed the trigger six times in 11 minutes, and only two of them were three-point attempts. They ran a couple of plays for him where he pump faked, you know, got ran off the line, and he took a couple dribbles in, a couple mid-range jumpers. There was like a 10-foot floater type shot. Just not a good look for Matt Ryan. Like, he should be shooting 80% of his shots should be threes, and if they're not threes, it should be at the rim. He shouldn't be shooting from the mid-range. And he's got to make the, th- the three-point attempts, the open jumpers he takes, or he's not going to have a role on this team. We've talked about this before, but that's his only NBA caliber skill is shooting. But it's pretty theoretical because he hasn't been consistent enough as a professional outside the arc. Um, and frankly, even in college, like he was a good shooter, but he's never been like, you know, I remember Steve Novak. Like, I think I brought this up at some point last year. Like he was shooting, what, mid 40% from three. Couldn't do anything else on the court, but he was big and he could shoot threes lights out. Matt Ryan's not a sharpshooter like that. You have to be Steve Novak level of sharpshooter if you're only going to shoot and do nothing else. Otherwise, what's what are you doing? If you can't rebound, you can't defend consistently, you're not a passer, you're not going to take anybody off the dribble. Uh, I don't mean to pick on Matt Ryan, but that two-way spot could be taken from him. And somebody like Vic Krejci, and, and by the way, I should also point out, there's been kind of conflicting reports on whether Matt Ryan actually has that third two-way contract. Of course, Jalen Clark, this year's other second-round draft pick in addition to Miller, and Luca Garza do have two-way contracts. There's a third slot this year, it was reported one place that Matt Ryan had that two-way slot. It was reported elsewhere. I think Sham said he had it. John Krasinski said he's he'll be competing for it in camp. So if he doesn't have that sewn up, and even if he does, they could always waive him like they did last year. Remember Eric Pascal had the job or had the spot. They waived him. Uh, there were a couple other guys in and out of that role, the the, the uh, two-way slot the last couple of years. So Matt Ryan could easily lose that that spot. V. Krejci in just seven minutes showed far more versatility. And we already know Krejci can do more. He's more of a guard than he is a wing, but he's got similar size, more athleticism, better defensively, a better passer than Matt Ryan. Um, seven minutes, two rebounds, one assist for Krejci, hit that one big three-pointer, got to the line once as well, uh, has NBA experience, is actually, I'm pretty confident, has played in more games than Matt Ryan. Remember, he spent the season with the Thunder a couple years ago, last year with the Hawks. Uh, Krejci's a good player, um, at least in terms of somebody with upside that could fill out the roster, do multiple things. There's a chance one of those guys ends up with that last uh, regular standard contract spot on the on the normal roster, the number 15 spot. My bet is that spot stays open and sitting here right now, granted two preseason games in, you know, still two and a half weeks till the start of the regular season. Krejci should have a leg up on Matt Ryan for that third two-way. I just think he could do more and contribute more to this roster you're never going to call on Matt Ryan to be your sharpshooter in a big moment because he just hasn't been consistently. Krejci at least has some upside. 
can do multiple things, can run an off, not really run an offense, but be a secondary playmaker. He's more than just a catch and shoot guy who doesn't make enough shots. Other non roster guys, Dacian Nix played just six minutes, nothing to write home about there. Uh, uh, Tyrese Martin, kind of the same thing. He put up some numbers, four points, four rebounds in just four minutes. He was active, um, but I don't think he has a realistic shot at making the roster. Trevor Keels, who I like a lot. Uh, played just five minutes, was 0 of 2 shooting, didn't do anything, actually, actually also had a turnover, didn't do much of anything else. Um, of all those guys, like Krejci is the one that intrigues me the most. I do like Trevor Keels. I, there's an outside shot that say Krejci gets the last, uh, the the number 15 standard contract spot. Maybe Keels gets a two-way deal. Remember, he was with the Knicks last year, I believe, on a two-way. Um, so that's a possibility. My money is on them giving that two-way to somebody like Krejci and letting everybody else go to Iowa as exhibit 10 guys. They get a bonus if they stay there for, for 30 days and leaving that last roster spot open in the event, somebody gets away from another team or there's an injury and they have a specific need to fill the roster with. Remember, they don't have a ton of wiggle room before that, that, uh, that hard cap number. They only have a couple million, just a little bit over the vet minimum. So I think the wolves will give themselves some time to fill that hole just in case something crops up later where they're going to want to have that flexibility. All right, that's all we have for today here on the show. Of course, Wolves' next preseason game is, I believe it's Saturday, uh, Saturday evening against the Knicks, 6.30 p.m. at Madison Square Garden on NBA TV. So uh, we'll talk about that next Monday show. A week from today will be the postgame pod there. We'll talk about Saturday's game against the Knicks. The rest of this week, we're doing player previews each day, Tuesday through Friday. The rest of the roster, the starters who I haven't covered, which is everyone but Conley. So we'll talk Rudy Gobert. We'll talk Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. Do basically full shows on each of them here the rest of the week. So get excited. More preseason basketball this upcoming weekend. But so far, so good. Two games overseas. The Wolves looked crisp, I think, is probably a good way. If I had to sum it up in a single word um, or maybe competitive or if I could borrow, you know, maybe a hyphenated word and another word. So kind of two words. Midseason form, right? Like that sort of effort. The offense looked good. Um, all the above. Very encouraging to see them get a pair of wins in Abu Dhabi. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on X at B Beacon and at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T. A big thank you once again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.